your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom in the studio with me this hour, Shondell Spivey. He is the executive director and the co-founder of Black Inc. It's uh, abbreviated. It's an acronym, Black Leaders Acquiring Collective Knowledge. It's a lacrosse base. Uh, you started this out of lacrosse, right? Yes, exactly. It started in lacrosse in 2016, and we received our nonprofit status in 2017. Yeah. Did you start it before that? And you kind of, I was reading a little bit about it, and you, you started it and maybe like ran out of gas, like you ran out of energy to keep it going or something? Well, actually what happened, it's a really interesting story. What it was is that um, we were working, so myself, we were trying to figure out ways to keep black professionals in this area and also build pull this closer. So yeah. yep. okay. and build community with each other. And so I was like, okay, well, let's start a black professionals networking system of sorts. And then I had other friends that were like, we want to be a part of the community and like work with the youth or whatever. And so we said, okay, well, let's combine and see what we can do together. And so we combined, but then everybody moved away. Oh yeah. Because you were in college when you started yeah, this, right? Yes. I was in college at UWL. Um, Why did you start this? Because what I read is you went to UWL, and I think you got, I wrote it down, and you could tell me if this is wrong. You got your political science degree, and I got to talk yeah. about the text you sent me about politics. But And yes. then you got your master's degree in student affairs and administration. And what I read was like, you were going to go to UWL, you were going to graduate, and you were going to bounce. I was going to leave. This is true. <laughs> so why would you start an organization that you know, like, you know what, I'm going to do all this work and start this thing? Maybe I guess you would hope it would continue under someone else, but then you got sucked into lacrosse. Is that what happened? Well, what happened actually for me was while I was at UWL, and I was very adamant I'm leaving and whatever, but I actually ended up staying one summer. Um, I think it was like my junior year or so. Oh, yeah. And I got in, you know... And got to interact with the community. So I was volunteering for um, this day camp. It was called Empower Life Day Camp. I was one of the staff members there. So I was doing work there. Um, I was volunteering in the schools. I was volunteering for um, the Boys and Gents program with Dempsey Miller and different things like that. And so I started getting attached to this community in a sense of like, there are opportunities here to build community for black and brown individuals. And so... We're like, well, how can we make this happen, you know, long term? Yeah. Right? And so when we started doing it, uh, that's where the Black Professionals Networking idea came from. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, let's get some of these professionals together and then let's develop and build together and then serve as mentors to like some of the kids. But then there was also opportunity gaps, right, um, where students would talk about like not really being able to learn about themselves and their identity, their history and things like that. And so then there was another void that was there that we sought to fill by creating our organization as well. And obviously Black History Month starts today and it's um, do you guys do anything special throughout the throughout the month to to like promote that? Yeah, we typically don't. One of the big things that we do, I shouldn't say that. We do, right? Like, it's a Black History Month, but we also preach the uh, Black 365 model, right? Like, I'm Black 365 days. I can't take that away. Yes, we're glad we have a month to celebrate. Yeah. We should be doing celebrations throughout the year to truly understand Black history, Black identity, Black culture. Uh, with that being said, this month, we actually have a couple events that are happening. One is we're doing a promotion where we promote everybody in the community to support black-owned businesses in the area. Um, you can find those either on our website, which is blacklax.org, 
Um, you could also just kind of do quick Google searches for certain area uh, businesses as well that are black-owned, reach out, connect, uh, support local businesses. Then the other piece is we actually have our Black Professionals Network event happening um, Friday, tomorrow, yep. uh, at 6 o'clock at the Damn Tasty, which is a black-owned restaurant. So feel free to go there as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, six to eight tomorrow, right? Six I think to eight tomorrow at yes. the damn tasty. So what are we? Uh, what are we eating? <laughs> you know, so I wasn't in charge of selecting the menu. This we'll time. see, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Right. I heard something about like a bacon chicken lollipop or something like that, and I was like, oh, that's bacon chicken lollipop. Let me think about it a minute. Right. Okay, okay. <laughs> sounds good. I was like, well, you know, that sounds like something I would be into. So it must be it'll work. But also, the damn tasty food is really good anyway. So I know whatever Nicole Hence makes. the name. Right. <laughs> All right. Sean Spivey is going to hang out with us this hour. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Um, I, I will just set this up. You texted me because you were on the lacrosse school board some years ago, I think, right? Uh, what kind of while? My, yeah, a couple years ago. And, and well, like, what is a couple of years ago? Because I guess I, I was reading yeah. it. When I was reading an article about you, that was an old-ish article. It was talking about you creating this group, but... Um, oh, I guess it wasn't that old. It was like three, four years ago, right? You were on the yeah. school board. So okay. my last term was 20, what is it, 24? So I want to say it was April of 23 or 22. Sure, sure. It was a couple of years ago. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I was. we were talking, texting each other before the sh- uh, you know, leading up to today. And, and you said, I do a lot of social justice and community engagement. And then you said, I took a break from politics after being on the school board. So you took a break. Yeah. But I want to rip on you a little bit. Like, do you, you need to, like, punch back in on that? But we'll, 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 co- we'll get to that when we come back. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I, I will say, when I always say I'm the only station, AM station in the world that plays Buster Rhymes, probably the only AM station in the world that's going to play Chris Brown. Uh, Sean Del Spivey's re- requesting the music here. Uh, he is the executive director and the co-founder of Black. And uh, you, okay, Black Leaders Acquiring Collective Knowledge, a lacrosse-based nonprofit. And uh, did we do this? Can you kind of break down like who's involved? Like what, what's the age range and, and how do people get involved with your, your organization? Most definitely. So um, the mission of our organization is around empowering and elevating the black community of lacrosse and greater lacrosse area. Um, we do it through innovative programming, advocacy, and such check out our website uh, essentially our programs we have a two groupings of programs the first grouping is typically k-12 students so we have several programs that are very specific to either high school 6 to 12 or even we have an elementary program as well mm-hmm. and then we also have our adult program which is essentially our black professionals network uh, event which we work to retain black professionals in the area by building community networking and such when we look at our youth programs, um, we have our summer youth experience program, uh, which is primarily 7th through 12th grade, our Ujima program, which is high school students that uh, go through a curriculum and they eventually end up mentoring elementary school students in the La Crosse district. We then also have our Lotus program, which is leading our tribes to understand itself, uh, and that's a girls group, which is primarily 6th through 12th grade. Is, anything, is anything like starting soon or, or kind of going where people can, you know, if they got kids, hey, I can get my kids involved in this? Yeah, so we're actually eventually are going to start recruiting within the next month or so for our summer program. 
So if there are students that are interested in there, we only take 30 students. Yeah, now that uh, spring is in the air, right? Yeah, we got to start saying. <laughs> it, right. It, it, the days are going so fast. So it's like, you know, you sit down at the desk at 9 o'clock, and next thing you know, it's 5 o'clock in the evening. So, <laughs> Well, I don't know if everybody feels like that. Man, some people, I've had jobs where that that, that is not the case. Shonda. Right. <laughs> Um, and, and then again, tomorrow from six to eight at the damn tasty on Caledonia street, you're having this event. I think you got to register. It's on the website. You can, or your Facebook page. Yes. Um, and then I guess, what are you guys going to do? Like, what are those groups? Like you get to bring people to kind of, it's kind of like mingle and get to know each other and, and, and get to know what like each other does as a, as a business or, or just, yeah. or, or how to get involved. Right. Uh, yep. It's a mixture of things. Like. This is an opportunity for you to connect with other individuals in terms of like those that identify as black, biracial, multiracial, with black being one of their identities. This is time for them to network and build community because this is something that we're often asked is like, where are we at? <laughs> right. Um, in a predominantly white city, you need those spaces and opportunities to be able to connect with each other. And then the other thing that we do is we go based off a of profession. Right. So there's opportunities where in the past when we've done these events, we focused on like only business owners or mm-hmm. um, housing and uh, housing and home ownership and things like that. And so sometimes the theme of the program changes. This is our first one in 2024. So we just said, hey, let's get let's get it together. Let's work together. In fact, we're partnering with Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin uh, to actually put this event off. Mm-hmm. And so they'll kind of talk about their work and their events and programs. We'll talk about our program and why we believe in the Black Professional Network and other, like, events that are happening in this month as well as down the line. And then we'll also have moments and games and stuff like that for people to mingle, talk about their profession, talk about themselves. Uh, We have this really cool activity where we're going to match people. It's a match game. And so somebody will get, like, a black inventor, for example, and then somebody else will have their invention. Invention. They have to like, you know, connect. Yeah, for sure. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. Um, okay, so we've mentioned it right before the break. Yes. You, you, when you were texting me, you're like, I took a break from politics after the school board. So first of all, did you? You didn't. You you were you would have been an incumbent. You offered not to run for re-election on the school board. Yes, I decided not to re- to run again. Um, nothing personal. Like, I just think sometimes. Oh, I say on the show all the time, the school board meetings are like the most boring and daunting. Yeah. And it's a lot of, I feel like it's a lot of numbers and a lot of time. It's time consumption. I feel like you got to mm-hmm. study it out. And then maybe a lot of that stuff, you're like, you're listening and you're, you're the presentation. You're like, I'm not really sure what I'm going to have to ask some questions yeah. here after the fact. So I can understand this stuff. You know, the the wild thing to me is I feel like, from the time that I got on the school board, which was actually during COVID, um, to the time I got off, I don't know that we had boring meetings. I feel like there was always something happening. Mm-hmm. There was always a group of folks coming to, you know, voice their concerns about a decision or, you know, any of those types of things. We had some really tough decisions to make during my time on the school board. Um, that would have been the new high school, right? Yeah, the, the high school um, vote was that time. Uh all of the consolidation stuff started around there. Right. Yeah. What, and, and yeah, a lot of it like came to the forefront. Like we started really talking about consolidation in the school board and, and the school district really started to go, Hey, we have a problem. We have, right. We have too many right, buildings right. and, and not enough students essentially, not as I think. Students. And we and, need money. And I always yeah. thought it was funny. It's like, we, we have too many buildings. So what we're going to do is build a new building 
and then consolidate yeah. from there. And, and, and it just wasn't the right time. I, I think a new high school would actually be really good for the city because, and I understand like people are, are, are kind of connected to having a central or a Logan. And it's mm-hmm. like, if, but if, if Hortonville high school went away, man, and they consolidated with new London high school where I'm from, I'd be like, man, I get it. Like we're all in, you know, it's kind of a tough time, but uh, bringing, having a new high school in the city would have been awesome. But Beyond that, the were you surprised? Now this is where you took a break from politics. So I'm gonna reel you back in. Were you surprised there were three? There are three open seats. So th- two incumbent, three incumbents have left the school board. They're not gonna run for re-election, kind of like you. So there's three open seats, and open seats are like up for grabs. Anyone can get them, and only two people ran. So yeah. we have two people running for school board, and they're gonna be on the board unless there's some miracle writing campaign. But there's going to be a third person that's going to win an election through a writing campaign. And who knows? I think the the superintendent said about 200, 300 votes would get that person in. Um, Were you surprised? Do you surprised by that news? I am because there's so many people that's very vocal about not liking the school board, not liking the decisions that the school board are, you know, are making. Um, people are mad about the consolidation. Did plans. I suck you back into the politics now? Did a little I do bit, it? <laughs> a little bit. So it's OK, though. It's OK. I'm ready. So, you know. People are very vocal about things, but yet when it's time to stand up and say like, hey, how about you run for this seat? You know, how about you come in? Because I think when you're on this board, you kind of see a different side of the school district. You have to learn a different part of this district that most folks aren't necessarily privy to. Mm. Um, not saying that folks that are mad about certain things, they're not just in that, right? Yeah, like You're going to sure. feel the way you feel. You're going to go off of the knowledge that you know and whatever or what you're told, and that's cool. As a board member, one of the tough decisions is you have this information in front of you. You have the recommendations in front of you. You want to make sure that you're standing up for what's right, what's equitable, um, what's just. You want to represent your constituents, and you also want to be realistic about, like, what are we doing as a district and where can we go? Um, And so I think it's not really surprising to me. No, I take that back. It is surprising to me because I feel like when I was on the board, there were so many people showing up to talk about how, you know, not on on the board, I get to say a lot of stuff that I wanted to say. (laughs) But um, they, they talked a lot about how they disagreed with Dr. Ingle's decision. There was a lot of judgment of board members, myself included, um, and yet when it comes time to say like, Hey, it's your turn to step up. Mm-hmm. You, you talked a, a lot Yeah. now step up. And, and so I think that there's that piece. I think the other piece is that not a lot of people actually have a lot of knowledge around school boards. They just kind of think of it as, I mean, think about it. Like school boards are actually one of the most underpaid political offices that we have city council county board, they make way more than school board members. You're right. And so I think there's just this piece of understanding what it really means to be on a school board. And also, I think the other piece is what happens is when people get on school boards, they realize that it's not just one individual, right? Like one individual does not make a decision. It's a collective. So you can come in with this like rigged agenda, so to speak, no disrespect to people, but you can come in with a rigged agenda. But at the end of the day, your opinion is your opinion, and now you have all these other board members at the table, and you all have to agree, you know, or at least have conversations around these particular topics. You can voice your concern, but you also might be outvoted. 608-785-7914. Yeah, so we have three three open seats, two people are running. Someone's going to write a write-in campaign. 
Well, how about this though? Now, yeah. write-in campaign. You've got this organization. Anyone within your organization here, and you'd be like, "There's an open seat. It's a writing campaign. We could gather. We could get some. Does it? Have you asked? Have you proposed it to anyone? Does anyone in the in black want to run for school board?" <laughs> well, I would say, you know, um, tomorrow night you got an event. Yeah. Maybe put it out there. Hey, everybody! By the way, it's a writing this campaign. We've got a collective here. All we need is three, four hundred votes. I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, it, it's a thing. It's a possibility. I feel like I put it out there, too, when elections was coming around, you know, when it was time to go get papers. I'm like, hey, we definitely need some people to run for school board, you know, so on and so forth. But I think that it's been a lot <laughs> over the last few years. And I think some folks are kind of avoiding. Uh, I mean, that's why we only have two people running. I mean, no, it's not, not just, you know, it's it's not. But yeah. I feel like do you feel like you need somebody black on the on the school board, some representation. Definitely. There? I feel like or more you, than one person. You always need representation on any of these boards and councils and committees and so on and so forth. You know, and not necessarily just one person. You need multiple people. Right. Multiple diverse perspectives. It's really important. And one of the things that like we've sought to do was figure out, like, how can we work with our communities, you know, diverse communities and all LGBTQ, et cetera, and say, hey, how can we coach people up to be ready for political positions mm -hmm. or be on city committees or county committees and things like that? And there's a few groups that are out there trying to do that work. And our organization is trying to figure out what's a better way to do that. Mm -hmm. 608 785 7914. All right, we're going to take a break. Brad doing the news. Scott's comment coming up. We're going to continue this conversation with Sean Dell Spazby, the executive director and co founder of Black Inc. We'll be back. Oh, this might be the musical version of this song. <laughs> you know, there's not even. Yeah! I was waiting for I know, right? Oh, there we go. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Sean Dell Spivey. He is the executive director and co founder of Black Inc., Black Leaders Acquiring Collective Knowledge, a lacrosse based nonprofit. And you've been doing this, uh, well, since you got nonprofit status for about seven years. Uh, what, what are some of the cooler things? And re re just remember, get that micro. Yeah. What are some of the cooler things, uh, you know, over the over those seven years? Like, this is like the thing that I'm, I don't know. Do you can do top three? Like, the most thing, things you're oh most proud goodness. of. So many. Okay, so the first thing I would say is our summer youth experience program has really picked up. Um, the very first year we did it, we took over 40 students to, we flew them out to Atlanta and we took a bus and kind of did a like, not really a civil black history tour essentially. And we went to several different HBCUs. We went to Washington, D.C., African American Smithsonian Museum, we went to various museums in Atlanta, like the Human, right, Human and Civil Rights Museum and things like that. Yeah. And really got these students um, the knowledge around black identity, black culture, uh, different restaurants, tried different foods. It was amazing. It was a really great experience. And after that trip, it was like, oh, man, we just did this really big trip. How are we going to maintain this? Right. How are we going to – like, <laughs> that was it. Like, it's all downhill yeah. after that. Like, you, now right. you have to go bigger and better the next trip, right? Exactly. So then we were like, okay, COVID happened. Oh, but yeah. we had a trip planned before COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, we just kind of stopped it. And then we brought it back two years ago. And so when we brought it back, we took the students to Tennessee. Last year, we actually took the students to New York. And so – the way we do the summer youth experience program is it's four components. Um, one is culture, cultural identity and history. The other one is academic, which changes every year. It's really about like, what do we know that the students need to focus on? So mm -hmm. like last year was verbal and nonverbal communication. 
you know, um, and the cultural identity history piece was the Harlem Renaissance. Then we have a college and career readiness piece where we go to different HBCUs and other universities and colleges um, and just kind of talk about career and future. And then the fourth part is the trip itself. And so we tend to pick a trip sometime at the end of July or August that we say, we're going to go on this trip, go to these museums, et cetera. But throughout the summer, we're meeting with the students weekly. And so just watching how that program has expanded has been amazing. So that's one. So you've taken a trip just about every year since like you did, like I understand COVID happened, but that's, that's crazy. Like, how does that, how does it work? Do you get funding or does each kid kind of pay for that or? So the last couple of years has been grant funding through the city ARPA money. Okay. Um, And, I mean, really, it was it was a great timing. Uh, so the last two years that we've done the trip has been based off the city opera funds. Uh, this current year is based off of another grant, um, and we're also going to be doing some fundraising. I was going to say you're yeah. gonna you're gonna have to sell some uh, pizzas and some yeah, cookies, right? Some like something pizzas, like that, right? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so oh yeah, that oh, was know, so that, that was that one. Top, that was just that one. Top of the mountain. That's like one. one. Well, it, yes. Well, in yes, terms of but, that, in terms of that, where. If you could just pick anywhere, yeah. like at like you don't, there's no barriers here. Okay, you know you could go to the moon if you wanted to, but where would you? If you could take forty kids somewhere, where would you really love to take them? I actually want to take kids to Africa. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, um, and actually the students created this summer program experience because they would talk to me about wanting to do things like this, and so I asked them like, where would you want to go? And they actually told me they would want to go to Africa and different things like that. And I was like, Africa's cool. big, man. Like you got to slim it down. You got yeah, anywhere it'll in particular? be West Africa or probably yeah. or South Africa, somewhere where they can kind of learn about like the culture in Africa, but then also the connection around like slave trades and mm-hmm. you know things like that. Because um, I actually had the opportunity to go to Ghana when I was at UWL, uh, our Black Student Unity, we went to Ghana and really got to experience the culture, learn the history, learn about, you know, what happened before slavery, what happened during slavery, how things went about, how we got here, yeah. all of that stuff. It was really great. It was a great experience. Yeah. One of the things you don't forget. All right. Yeah. Number two on the list. Number two. Number two. I think on I'm the going, list. we did this backwards. You should have started at three, I, but I that's fine. Next time we'll do it better. So number two on the <laughs> list, I think will be the sustaining of this organization. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is sometimes when you start nonprofits, it's very easy to see your demise, so to speak. And this organization has really been sustaining. Uh, for example, when we first started, we were all volunteering. So everybody, every board member, you know, we were all volunteering while working a full-time job. Right, so everything sure. we did was extra. Um, a few years ago is actually when I got hired on as the executive director and we started getting more staff and things like that. So we had kind of like a slow but right, steady sure. race, right? And then my, my final one, and this might be even bigger to me, is that we purchased our first building in October. And so we purchased this building. The building has three components. The first component, there's a two-bedroom apartment upstairs. That So now we're landlords. Then okay. we have our office space down below. And then we also purchased the business Mama K's Pizza. Okay. Man, you should have just held out. I think the school districts be giving them buildings away pretty soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And and then you guys, uh, so you have a home base and also a pizza joint. That sounds dangerous. If you if that was me, yes. it would be dangerous. It, you know, I'm not going to lie. I probably ate more pizzas than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody eats too much. I mean, I guess so. That's probably, that's probably bad. Uh, Sean Dallas Bivey is the executive director and co-founder of Black Inc., 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. They're having an event tomorrow at The Damn Tasty on Caledonia Street, so on the north side, 6 to 8 p.m. 
Um, who, who, who can, can anyone go to this thing? I mean, uh, I see it's yeah. kind of like you know, black people and people of color and yeah, that's kind if, of if our If I showed audience. up, would you all be like, mm, the music would stop. And <laughs> this big the white music dude probably show. won't stop. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably just be like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and tell you what the event is for. Yeah. And if you choose to stay cool, right, if right. not, you know, yeah. uh, but we, we typically try to mix things up. We have events that are specifically for black, biracial, multiracial folks who black being their identity and then we also have events that we expect more community members to come out and we try to do a diverse thing right for sure yeah. i've had hope restores on uh in the past and they had an event in the in riverside park once and it was kind of the same deal like yeah. but everyone's invited to these things yeah. um so that I was know actually that was a part of we were a part of that you too. were part of that yeah, too. i so can't remember what it was juneteenth 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 oh, one of the biggest <laughs> events happening in lacrosse you know <laughs> um Okay, so I know there's Hope Restores and there's Black Ink. Uh, how many groups like that are there? And and do you do you need more of those, or are we do we have a pretty good? We could always use more, right? There's a lot of work to go around. There's a lot of things that need to be addressed in this community um, from an equitable standpoint, right? So, Black people have not been a part of some of these conversations, right? Being at the forefront, you look at the political office, who's been in those positions, who hasn't been in those positions. Um, so there's conversations needed to happen, right? There's work that needs to be done, both with our young folks, with our community, uh, getting white folks to understand, you know, equity and diversity and how to be better neighbors. Not that everybody's in that boat, but there are some folks that just need a little, a little lesson or two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's the, there's that piece. Um, so I studied this community for a while before we started our organization, and there were quite a few organizations that exist. So the ones that are around now, however, is really black um, Hope Restores, the Enduring Families Project. Like it's not necessarily like a black ran organization, but the Enduring Families Project focuses on the history of black people. Mm -hmm. It was started by a black woman and a white woman coming together and saying, here's the history of this. How can we get this out there to the community? Right. And then you have. um, Is there one called Lit? Or is that out Lit, of Milwaukee? Lit's out of Milwaukee. Yeah, okay. They did have a chapter here in La Crosse. I am not sure that it is still here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Amen, which is the African-American Mutual Assistant Network. Well, they might still be around. Mm-hmm. I believe they are. Um, and I think those are all When you have those, so you have like three yeah. main groups. Do you, do you each kind of do your own thing? Yes. Yeah, so like, we each hey, do our and, own and thing. Do you communicate and go, hey, we'll focus on this, you focus on that? Or... I mean, I'm sure you can mix it up a little bit. It's a mixture of both, right? There's moments when we do our own thing. Like, so, but for example, Juneteenth, right? Juneteenth for the last three years, four, uh, three, three years have been Black, Hope Restores, the Enduring Families Project. The three of our organizations get together. We solicit community members to come and be a part of a planning committee. And that planning committee, along with our organizations, put on the Juneteenth. And by by own thing, I mean, like, we're going to focus on taking trips and bringing 40 you you know what i mean like that's oh, what it's you're not gonna that do organized. first hope, hope resource, right yeah, <laughs> no 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 so you're all, yeah organized. you all do your own yeah. thing right we, like it's yeah and you might all do the same thing and that's yeah. fine i guess everyone can have uh, awesome field trips if they want to all right we're gonna take a break uh, come back with sean dell spivey executive director and co-founder of black england All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm speak, uh, in the studio with me is Shondell Spivey, the executive director and co-founder of Black Ink. It's so funny, Shondell, because this is yeah. like I feel stupid a little bit because it's February 1st and it's the start of Black History Month. 
Also, like, I'm going to have the leader of Black Gang. It just kind of worked out that way because Joelle was on yesterday and she was like, you should have Shondell on. I was like, tell him I got nobody for tomorrow. And it just worked out that way. So I'm not really trying to troll you to have you on February 1st, but it works out nice. And, and you know, and it's kind of just like you, you could roll your eyes at it if you want. Uh, but it's something I, I'd love to have uh, people with your organization. I've, I've contacted Hope Restores a couple of times to come on and, um, you know, like we do, we can do stuff like this once a month. I think it'd be great. Um, but we get back into politics a little bit. Uh, before we go there, can I say something? Oh, before? yeah, for sure. Just because before we left, you know, we were talking about, you know, the different organizations and doing their own thing, right? And yeah, yeah. one of the things that comes to mind, because we get this question all the time, like, why don't those organizations just combine and do something together, right? And the reality is, is we don't say the same thing about the YMCA, YWCA. We don't say the same thing about the seven or plus, you know, housing organizations that exist in this community. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so making sure that we're being responsible in a sense when you know folks have these ideas around just put all the black folks together put all the latin latino folks together and the reality is is all of us are doing different things we're not a microcosm we have different views and different uh passions right Right, for sure and so if you look at different organizations like black or hope or you might have the same passions and and you'll do do the same thing and we'll do our thing and you do your thing (laughs) yeah it's a a little unfair for me to even bring it up uh but but I guess I, I feel like you guys like feel you you almost have to come together as a community sometimes oh, to, to figure stuff we out support each other. because you know you're living in a different world than we are from you know from people I've talked to and we've talked about it on the show before. Um, all right, the DEI fight in Madison. Do you want to have this conversation a little bit? Oh, like what? Goodness. Like does that? Like how do you feel about that when when like the the assembly speaker says we're going to cut $32 million in funding and the $32 million is a made up number. Like he makes right. that number up. It's not 32 million. It's, it's like every teacher, if a teacher teaches DEI at UW Madison, then you just take that teacher's salary and that's part of the 32 million. So it's kind of like an inflated number, but they did. They, 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 and they made a deal and they cut diversity, equity and inclusion out of like the UW system. I, does that like, what, how do you, as, how do you feel about that? Well, as a former UW um, alum, as well as a former UW employee, I'm actually disheartened by it. I think it was ridiculous. Um, but it also goes to show you that in this day and age right now, there's this kind of erasure of history happening, right? Where these folks are saying, you know, if you talk about DEI or CRT, which they're using it wrong anyway, but, you know, DEI initiatives or talking about diversity and equity and race and all these different things, it makes white people feel bad. So stop doing that. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? And I think that there's a problem with that because the reality is this history is history, right? Our history exists, our history happened, and we have to be willing to say it how it happened and tell the truth about it. And have conversations and then have the conversation of how do we move past men together, heal together, grow together, work together, right? That's the only way that we can do that. But instead, when you have people that say, you know, DEI initiatives are baseless, right? And then those are the folks that are leading our state. That's problematic because what you're saying is that you don't value the fact that uh, black people fought for years to be able to learn how to read, write, and go to school and go to colleges. You ignore the fact that, historically speaking, even UW schools had a problem where they were pretty much majority white and still are majority white. 
and that people of color struggled to get into those institutions, not because they didn't have the grades or because they weren't academically prepared or any of those things. It was just how it was. And so when those initiatives come about and say, hey, not only do we want to figure out how we can get more diverse people into these institutions, but then also how do we support you while you're there? And that's where some of those DEI offices, like the Office of Multicultural Student Services at UWL, exists because it says, hey, you're here now. We recognize that it's a predominantly white setting. You might be uncomfortable in, in certain spaces and not uncomfortable in the sense that like I'm uncomfortable to be me, but uncomfortable because oftentimes what happens and what my experience was as a black man going to a predominantly white coming from predominantly white institution coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was there was this adjustment phase of like people wanted you to talk a certain way. People wanted you to act a certain way. When I would talk how I talk, people would, you know, deem me as like uneducated, inadequate, et cetera. I now have a bachelor's degree. I'm pursuing a doctorate. I have a master's degree, right? Like, I'm literally more educated. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it's just like, I think that we do a disservice when we don't acknowledge why these things exist. Right. And then the, the, the whole DEI situation is, is just, we're going we're gonna to throw it out there. Nobody's really going to know what it means. We're going to say it's useless, worthless, whatever, and people don't understand it, and we're going to save $32 million, and it's not going to hurt anyone. But it's not hurting anyone the other way either, and it's not $32 million. So I just, like, I I would be infuriated. And also, every corporation uses, it, 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 like, incorporates DEI. This isn't something that's odd. Mm -hmm. And and we, me and William Garcia, the Democratic Party chair, we did a whole podcast on like the the reasoning behind DEI, and it was like enlightening to to listen to him kind of explain it. Yeah, because I, I think we ignore again. It's an erasure of history. To say you don't need these initiatives is like saying like slavery never happened, right? Like the civil rights movement, like they really just were just they were just mad about nothing, right? Like there was no voter suppression happening. There was no. We all know that's that's. Well, I don't know if I can cuss. I got a dump up. <laughs> but, you know, don't cuss. <laughs> but, you know, that's just a load of crap. So I think I think, too, when you when you break down those three words and we talked about it on the show, um, the, the Lacrosse County is doing a DEI. They brought in a consultant to kind of go and she's probably wrapping up uh, Ch- Shannon Kelly Ray. She's probably wrapping up that. Uh, is it Shannon? It's spelled Shannon, but Shannon, it's Shannon. Shannon. Shannon Kelly Ray. And she's probably wrapping up that that consultation uh, here pretty quick. I, I think I'll have. Uh, the Lacrosse County administrator on to talk about it next time, but um, yeah, these are things that are going on everywhere. So to right. to, to exempt it out of the UW system is just—I I don't know—we're we're not doing great for that's not a great promotion of Wisconsin or the UW system in terms of getting people to come here. Yeah, we're not, and I think that the the other side is happening across the nation as well, right? We're again at erasure of history, or like let's remove these DEI. It's an agenda for certain folks who says. We don't value this. Um, we don't think it's important. And so now we're going across. I mean, you look at Florida, you look at Texas and these different places that are saying, you know, we don't want this taught in our history books because it makes white students feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want uh, certain books with certain authors, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like, it's just I don't know. It's, it's kind of nonsense. Yeah, the book banning <laughs> stuff is, is it gets it gets a little weird. It gets a little out of hand. Also, like, do we. Why wouldn't we want to teach? I, I get there's a certain age where you could yeah. start incorporating some of the things that are going to make kids feel bad when you start teaching that stuff. There's a certain age where you could start in, in mm-hmm. instituting that. 
Um, but but it has to be instituted at some yeah. point. Like I got um, Black Tulsa. Do you know anything about Black Tulsa? Yes. Um, so I never learned anything about that in school. But I watched the Watchmen show on HBO. I don't know if you've Love ever watched that. that. that so I watch that show, and I'm like, my girlfriend's a pretty good history buff, and I was like, what are they? like? And it, obviously, it's like mm-hmm. a fake show, right? It's fiction. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, is this is this? And she then she explains Black Tulsa to me. It's kind of like obviously the show is fiction, but it's based on a little bit something real. And I was like, oh my god! So then I start reading about that. But that's like one of the things like never learned about. It seems kind of important. And that wasn't that long ago. But right. that is, again, something where people are like, well, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about something else, right? Because we don't want people to feel bad that one of the most successful black cities and black bankers, black businesses, black, it was a really thriving black community that did not, well, I ain't going to say all that. <laughs> but it, it was a really thriving black community. And what happened is folks came in and said, you know what, y'all are doing too well. Let's let's raid you. Let's kill you. Let's Let's bomb you. Let's erase this this city you get what i'm saying and that's very problematic but that's again we don't want to talk about that because yeah never learned it, it never learned it and i minored in history but i mean i just yeah. didn't take those classes there wasn't a class like that i, I didn't make... learn about it until college to be honest with right. you and that's only because i took like african-american study courses and things like that um all right so getting get, yes. wrapping up here with sean del spivey the the co-founder of black inc in lacrosse here nonprofit. Okay, so talking about speaking of like Black Tulsa businesses, there, there's how many businesses do you think? Like, you have a whole list of we businesses do, on here, and we actually have to update our website because there's a few that are not on there, um, and there's a few that are on there that are no longer open. So we're mm-hmm. working through that process. Yeah, like hoping, every business, yeah. there's some transitions. But yeah. um, obviously, you're having your event tomorrow at the Damn Tasty. Do you have any other like you know? This is I like really going here, whether it's food or anything yeah. else. So, okay, food-wise, I would say... Is it, is, is it okay for you to rank businesses? That oh, like? I, I won't rank them. I'll just tell okay. you what I like, okay? <laughs> so what I like is press break is really good. Um, the Damn Tasty is really good. Uh, this is not a black-owned business, but Sagra is like... One of my favorites. Yeah. And so is Love Child. But we're going to leave. And the pizza place you own, too. <laughs> yes. Mama K's Frozen Pizza. It is in every store and bar, pretty much. If you go to Woodman's Festival, Hy-Vee, uh, there's a lot of local bars, as well as bars in Iowa and Minnesota and stuff like that, where you can get Mama K's. Um, my hairstylist, uh, I have several of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, on your on your website you've got apparel and fashion, yeah. barbers and salons, food nonprofit. You just got to update this. Yeah, we got to update. We'll it. see. But but for the most part, a lot of them are still existing. Like Melanin Beauty Bar, uh, the owner of that was on the cover of the women's magazine. How uh, generally how how are black businesses doing in in lacrosse? So um, if we were to be really honest, I would say they're they're doing they do well. Right. They're doing well. However, I think that there is something to be said about access to money and funding and grants. Right. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of folks that I've talked to that own businesses in this area get the same access to grant money um, and funding that some of our other larger uh, businesses may get. And so I think that's one of the conversations that we're having right now. Sure. All right, that's Shondell Spivey, the executive director and co-founder of Black Inc. You can check it out at blacklax.org. Thanks, Shondell. Thank you. All right, tomorrow, UW Lacoste, political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Thanks, everybody, for listening.